This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? My name is Patrick Allen. Just wanted to give you a quick update on the podcast today. So when you get to the back end of the podcast, the audio might get a little chippy. Uh, You might just hear a little bit of robot voice, some interference. Unfortunately, we are living in the time of coronavirus, and Matt and I are not able to go into the office to record in our studio here in the fan-sided office in Chicago. So we're doing it over the internet, over Zoom, and... Uh, We had a little bit of an internet outage halfway through the recording, so we had to cobble some things together and I had to record on my phone. So the internet was a little unstable, so you may hear some robot voice. Apologies for that. Always trying to get you the best quality, Um, but I don't think it's too bad, so hopefully you'll still enjoy the podcast. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? My name is Patrick Allen. I am joined, as always, by Matt Verderam. You are listening to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Pretty exciting week here. The Chiefs are 5-1, and one, Verderam. We're going to be going out to Denver, maybe getting a little snow, take on Drew Locke. I know everybody's really terrified of, of facing him after coming off a, a game against Josh Allen. Um, but I think in more important news, before we get to that, you got friggin' space invaders in your basement, like the arcade cabinet. This is coming off <laughs> you getting NBA Jam. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited about it. I, I spend a lot of time down in the office, especially during football season, watching games. And so I needed a little bit of an outlet, and uh, I did get NBA Jam <clears throat> about two weeks ago, and I've been playing it uh, way more than any 32-year-old adult should. And then, uh, yeah, it was between Golden Tee and Space Invaders, and I, I, I might end up just getting all of them, but I got Space Invaders for now. It'll be here next week. I'm excited. Um, I might take a few vacation days from work. Dude, I loved Space Invaders so much when I was growing up. It was so much fun. Right, I yeah. just saw there's a documentary on Netflix. I, I forget what it's called, but it's all about like the, the rise of the video game industry in the 80s and early 90s and like Nintendo and stuff. And they talked to the guy who uh, started Space Invaders or who came up with Space Invaders. And they were originally, the, the aliens were supposed to be like these like squids. If you look, they kind of look like that. Um, huh. It's, it's, it's pretty fascinating. You should definitely check it out. They do spend a lot of time on Space Invaders and how like Space Invaders was this huge, huge phenomenon when it first came out. Everybody was obsessed with it and like going to the arcades and 
Um, they talk a lot about Pac-Man. It's pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, my father's a huge Space Invaders fan, so I'm sure when he's out here, he'll be on it for three or four hours. But yeah, it's, uh, it's good. It's good. I bought that, bought the riser for it, bought the uh, graphics to stick on the riser. So it'll be, uh, it'll be professionally done as much, well, yeah, as much as professionally can be with the situation. And uh, it'll be good. It'll be on either side of my couch in my office. So there's no end tables anymore, but who needs them? You're you're getting your fixed uh, for, for uh, your fix for, for you listeners who don't know that the fan sided office here in Chicago that Matt and I both work out of, which is currently closed due to COVID, is actually above an arcade, like a bar arcade that we go down to all the time. There's Papa yep. Shaw, NBA jams down there. I don't think they have Space Invaders, but Space Invaders is hard, man. Like it's it's like deceptively difficult. That the, the yeah. you know when it looks so simple, right? Like they're all on a big line. There's barely any space between them. You're just blasting away at them. But after you knock out a couple rows uh, and they start moving faster, it's kind of terrifying. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Um, and the, the, they used to have space invaders at the other location. And I don't know if they have it because, you know, for anyone, obviously most people I'm sure are not familiar in Chicago, there's two different headquarters. But there, there used to be, and that's right. That's where actually I started playing it. I'd never played it before. And I played it like crazy when I used to go with uh, our old friend Mike Dice there. And then, uh, yeah, no, it's great. I'm looking forward to it. And eventually, I'm probably going to get Golden Tee and Miss Pac-Man and just pretty much turn my basement into an arcade. But uh, for the time being, uh, got to give my wife credit. She's not giving me a ton of crap over it. So um, she just mostly laughs and shakes her head. So it's good. Do you have any windows down there? Uh, you know, I don't. I don't. We're going to put in windows in each of the rooms in the basement. One of the rooms has one, uh, has an egress window. But we're, I, I have a space that I haven't put anything on for that reason to have a window. But right now, no, no, we're gonna have to. Yeah, we bought the house. There were no, there was nothing in the basement. It was just studded out. There was no walls up, like no sheetrock, nothing. And so, my father-in-law and myself built out the basement over the last you know, year and a half or so. Windows are the last thing. You're gonna need to make sure you're taking some vitamin D supplements for as much time as you're spending down there. You're not getting any sunlight. I know, I know. It's uh, that's all right. It's a small price to pay. Uh, maybe the soft glow of of NBA jams and Space Invaders will do the trick for you. Um, that's right. <laughs> okay, so this is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. We're going to preview Chiefs Broncos for you, but I I have to tell you guys that we really need you to head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us those five star reviews. We've been at like 30-some now. You guys have been doing a great job. You're, at, you're the absolute best. We've got a lot of written reviews from you guys, which we really appreciate. Just a heads up that what we do is if you leave a written review at the end of your uh, – if you leave a question at the end of your written review, we will answer those on the podcast. So get those in. Five-star reviews really help us out. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and do that if you haven't already. Also, you, uh, if you're listening to this, you're probably subscribed, but you might be listening to this on Arrowhead Addict on, a, on an embedded player. I want to encourage you to subscribe because we're going to have some giveaways coming up pretty soon, some really sweet Chiefs gear that we're going to be giving away. And the only way that you're going to be able to get in on those is to be a subscriber and to be listening to the podcast and leaving us reviews and those sorts of things. So uh, make sure you're subscribed if you're not already and tell your friends or maybe don't tell your friends and then they won't be competing with you for you know, some of this great gear. Okay. Uh, and as always, please make sure you're reading Arrowhead Addict every day to get all your Chiefs news. Okay. Let's get into it. Chiefs versus Broncos. The line from DraftKings is Chiefs minus nine and a half. Uh, so first, let's get you started on the injury report. 
for the Chiefs, some names on the injury report. Uh, now we only we're recording this on Thursday, so we only have the Thursday morning, so we only have the the Wednesday injury report. So this could change as the week goes on with some of these injuries. But we got Taco Charlton did not practice with a knee. Sammy Watkins did not practice with a hamstring, uh, which looks like that may keep him out another week or so. Mitchell Schwartz did not practice with a back. As you know, he left the game last week fairly early on. He had been having back issues leading into the game, tried to give it a go, couldn't, couldn't stick it out. And then Alex Okafor did not practice with a hamstring. Verderham, I think obviously when you're looking at this game, Chiefs may not need a ton of offensive firepower, so it might be okay to keep Sammy on the sidelines. Obviously, you'd love to have Mitchell Schwartz out there any game. Have you heard anything about Mitchell? Are they just being cautious with him, giving him the rest, get him on the field on Friday and, and see if he's good to I, go, or do you think he sits out a week? I haven't heard. They've been tight-lipped about it. I reached out. Um, it's – I mean, right now, look, they they tried to play him after he had a full practice on Saturday, and then he was listed as questionable. The back injury obviously suited up. Couldn't go uh, for very long. Couldn't get loose. So – it doesn't seem at this point like it's something really serious, but if I'm the Chiefs, I'm being really careful with them. I mean, you got the Broncos this week who, with all due respect, the Chiefs should be with or without Mitchell Schwartz, and then they play the Jets. Like, if I'm Kansas City, I'm looking at this going, we, we should not need any of these guys for the next two weeks. Um, you never want to just, you know, take a guy out for reasons that are more than legitimate caution, but... At the same juncture, the Chiefs have to play the long game here. And, and I think everybody should keep in mind here, this is Mitchell Schwartz we're talking about. This is an Iron Man type player. He does not Never miss missed, games. Ever. Yeah, he, d- he doesn't miss games. So there's just certain injuries. Offensive linemen, all these NFL players are super tough. They play through all kinds of crap. But if your back is bothering you and you're an offense, like there's just that's one thing you just can't really they can inject you with some stuff, but if you've got back pain, you can't move. You're just a more of a liability out there than, than being on the field. So I, I'm with you. Give, him, give Mitchell all the rest he needs. I, they should be able to beat the Broncos without him. You'd like to have him out there, but there's more important things coming down the line that you want Mitchell Schwartz, who's getting up there a little bit, uh, healthy for. So uh, rest of the injuries don't, don't worry me too much. Although I do think Taco Charlton's been playing pretty well, so I, I like him rotating in. But if he's got a knee, again, get him healthy. This is a pretty easy stretch for the Chiefs. On the Broncos' side, big names, obviously. We haven't played the Broncos yet this year, so you may not be familiar if you're not paying very close attention to the other AFC West teams. But Von Miller will not be on the field. He's on IR with an injury. I think he's done for the year. They, the Broncos will also be without Cortland Sutton, one of their best receivers. Uh, he's also out on IR. Now, there's a couple other guys who are limited in practice that they're probably going to play. Bradley Chubb, linebacker, uh, he's got an ankle. Noah Fant over at tight end was limited with an ankle as well. KJ Hamler limited with a hamstring. Those guys all probably go. If you're limited on Wednesday and in, in, in not did not practice, you're, you're probably going to be out there on the field. They're just letting these guys heal up a little bit. And Verderham, you told me this morning, and I wasn't aware of this, that A.J. Bouye will be returning from IR for this game, correct? Uh, that's the thought, that it's trending that way, that he's going to be able to play on Sunday. So that would be the first time he's played since week one. He went out with a shoulder injury in that game against Tennessee that they lost. Um, yeah, they, they believe there's a good chance he'll be able to play. 
Look, the Broncos have been out without Miller all year. Sutton got hurt early in week two. He's out for the year, as you mentioned, torn ACL. And then Jarrell Casey, who they got for seventh-round pick, was a heck of an interior defensive lineman, also out for the year. So they're missing some guys, um, but they are getting some people back. Noah Fant, who's been a good tight end for them, uh, he should be back in the lineup this week after missing, a, I believe, two games. Um, so Denver gets healthier for this game. Obviously, Drew Locke is back. He played last week. Did not play particularly well, but he played, and they won. Um, so Denver gets healthier, but still missing a lot of key guys. And the Chiefs, relatively healthy. I mean, yes, Watkins may miss. Schwartz will see. Okafor might miss as well. But, I mean, the Chiefs, by and large, are, are pretty full strength. So you, you got to feel good if you can't see about where you are in the season and, and where the injury list is. And, and not mentioned on the injury report, and we'll talk about him later, but the Broncos were without Melvin Gordon last week. And yep. interestingly enough, they were, they were without Philip Lindsay for most of the season. Philip Lindsay was their leading rusher last year. He's a really good player. He's not very big, but he's been very good since he come, he's come into the NFL. They've seemed intent on not running him into the ground and, and rotating in guys like Royce Freeman and things like that. But he's... He's not Jamal Charles, but he's a kind of a Jamal Charles-like player when he's on the field. A very high average uh, has done a really nice job for him. So Philip Lindsay stepped in last week while Melvin Gordon was out. Uh, he was out. I think he had strep throat. He also had gotten arrested for a DUI earlier in the week. Uh, did, did I say that right? Did I, did I say DUI? Yeah, DUI. In my head, I thought it said DIU or something, and I was like get a complete meltdown there. Um, as far as the the DUI, it doesn't seem like the precedent for this usually is the NFL and the teams will wait until there's a little bit more information before they pass down a suspension. So the Broncos could be without Melvin Gordon for maybe a four-game stretch or something like that later in the season or next year, depending on how these things play out. But for now, it looks like they're going to play him. It, he should be back from the strep throat. And really, for the first time all year, they'll have this combo of, of Gordon and Lindsey. We'll talk about those guys in a second. So let's – Oh, for I just, no, I was going to say, I, I think, you know, Gordon, they basically brought him in because as good as Philip Lindsay is, he's diminutive, and they're worried that if they play him a ton of snaps that he's going to wear down. I think Lindsay's the much better back. Like, if I was Denver, I'd say, look, we're just going to run. I mean, you got to give him the ball. you got to give him the ball. It's his third year. I don't understand. I, I get, like, you don't want to run him into the ground, but, I mean, hell, like, he's an NFL football player. Like, give him the football. He's better than Melvin Gordon is. So I think if you're a Chiefs fan, if you see the ball in Melvin Gordon's hands, you should be thrilled. Yeah, it's a little bit of a thunder and lightning situation there. They're, they're definitely in a good spot with those two backs. So let's talk about who these teams have played as we head into this game because sometimes records can be deceiving. I don't know if that's the case here, but let's start with the Chiefs. The Chiefs are 5-1. and one. They've played the Texans, the Chargers, the Ravens, the Patriots, and the Raiders and the Bills. The chief strength of schedule is 485 with a strength of victory of 464. On the flip side of that, the Broncos are 2-3. and three. They've played the Titans, the Steelers, the Bucks. Boy, the NFL didn't do them any favors with the start no. of this, the season for them. Uh, they played the Jets and then the Patriots when Cam Newton returned last week. The Broncos have a strength of schedule of 593, but just a strength of victory of 182. Note, however, that Drew Locke played in week one uh, when the Broncos lost by the, to the Titans by only two points. 
and he missed the Steelers game, the Bucks game, and the Jets game, and he returned and defeated Bill Belichick and the Patriots with Cam Newton, which, look, the Patriots aren't great, but Cam Newton was back, Belichick, Broncos aren't supposed to be very good, right? So that was a, actually kind of a surprising win for them. That's a good quality win for them in my book. Now, Denver lost to the Steelers by only five points without Drew Locke. They lost to the Bucks by 18. I think this Denver's really interesting. Coming into the season, I think, Matt, you and I both agreed that, that we thought Denver was the best team other than the Chiefs and the division. So the, the Broncos are two and three. Are they better than their record indicates, especially with Drew Locke back under center? I think they're about what their record indicates. Um, the Titans game's a little misleading because Guskowski missed four field goals in that game. Like, if he hits even three of them, they lose by double digits. Um, they, they beat the Jets. I don't know if that even counts. Look, Denver's, Denver's fine. I think the, the Broncos are about a 7-9 and nine team. I, I do. I think that's where they are. Their receivers are underrated. Judy's a good young rookie, and, and Tim Patrick can play. Vance a good tight end. They're – their biggest problem offensively is I don't know that Locke is good and their line is atrocious. I mean, you can just you can get home quickly against them, especially on the edges where the where the tackles have struggled mightily. Um, and that's to me the, the biggest problem they're going to face this week uh, on, on offense. And then defensively, look, they've they've got really good safeties: Kareem Jackson, uh, Justin Simmons, excellent tandem. Boye coming back, you, you know they have Bryce Callahan in the slot. Their biggest weakness there is the linebackers. The linebackers aren't any good. Um, listen, I, I think Denver's probably about, like I said, about a seven-win team. They have played a tough schedule. They've been banged up. They've had a, a tough go of it this year. Um, but this certainly is not going to get any easier for them this weekend. What do you make of them only – I mean, the Titans are pretty much steamrolling people right now. What do you make of them only losing to the Titans by two and then being really close against Pittsburgh, who is also undefeated and steamrolling people without Drew Locke? The Pittsburgh one's more impressive to me because Locke only played for about a quarter in that game before he got hurt and then Driscoll came in and they were down double digits in the fourth quarter and almost won the game. Um, I mean, the Titans have been weird. Like The Titans, they, they killed Buffalo. But they beat the Texans, Jaguars, Vikings, and Broncos by a combined 12 points. So, like, they, they're just very odd. We're going to find out a lot about the Titans this week against the Steelers in Nashville. Um, Denver, Denver has a pretty good defense. I think Fangio's a, a solid coach. They're going to stay in games. Um, you know, this is certainly, of any team they've played, I mean, Kansas City has the best passing attack they face because – if you look back, when they played Tampa Bay, Evans was banged up. Godwin, I don't believe, played in the game. Um, you look at, you know, Tennessee is certainly not the passing offense the Chiefs are. The Jets, I mean, come on. The Pats, no, no receivers. Uh, the Steelers, you know, Roethlisberger's throwing for less yards per target than anybody in the league, not named Drew Brees. So I think – this is going to be interesting because this is a game with Kansas City where they're going to have to defend them a lot differently than they defended everybody else. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I think I think it's a tough matchup for Denver because I think the Chiefs are going to just stretch those linebackers and go nuts against them. But, um, you know, Fangio is obviously going to prepare for that. So it'll be an interesting chess match. And we should remember, too, that that game against the Steelers, that was Big Ben's second game back against right. a you know, pretty good defense, uh, even though they're missing some pieces. So... Hard to know what to make of it. And I think even some of those early season games, 
the game against the Titans. Like they didn't have a preseason. The first couple of weeks were kind of weird, and we're still learning about some of these teams. They lost to what I think by eighteen. I said to the Bucks, I have no idea what to make of the Bucks. Like they've obviously got a lot of talent on that team. Brady's playing pretty well, but they lost to the Bears two weeks ago. Like what? What is even happening? No, it's a fair question. Um, I think the Buccaneers were really good. I just think they took a million penalties against the Bears, and you know, there's the Saints game, the first game of the year. They didn't play particularly well, but I, I think the Bucs are really good. Um, you know, the Chiefs will see them week week twelve, I believe it is. Right after they come back from the bye, they get the Raiders on the road, then they go to Tampa. And these things happen, right? We saw it just two weeks ago with the Chiefs losing to the Raiders. And we know the Chiefs are better than. Credit to the Raiders. They played a good game. But it's the NFL. You're going to lose a game. But I, And not to go too off on a tangent here, but I just think the Bears stink. And I, it's driving me nuts. I've watched all of their games. Driving me nuts that they keep finding ways to win. It's just absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> good defense. And you've had major comebacks against the Lions and the Falcons. That'll do it. Um, yeah, the Bears are not good. But they're probably going to make the playoffs because they're 5-1. and one. Their schedule's not that hard going forward. They get the Vikings twice. We're in total tank mode. And they get the Lions again at home. I mean, that's eight, that's eight right there. Can you win one other game? You, you probably can, right? I mean, they play the Texans still. They play Jacksonville still. I mean, they're, they're probably going to get the 10 wins fairly easily. That's the NFL for you. It's uh, week to week. Okay, so the Broncos' defense, let's talk about them. No Von Miller, that hurts to get Bouye back. They're, they're, they're still pretty good, though, so far coming into this game. They're, they're giving up 22 points per game. That's good for 10th in the NFL. They're 14th ranked against the, the run. They're giving up about 110.6 point, uh, yards per game and 19th in passing, allowing 239.2 passing yards per game. Is this a game where the Broncos' defense tries to ugly it up and keep the score really low? I think in a, in a perfect role for them, yeah. I mean, they, they would love to have a game here where they can force the Chiefs to run the ball, try to limit them better, of course, than we than we saw, um, you know, than we saw Buffalo do. Because if, if the Chiefs run for two hundred forty five yards, are going to win. Um, yeah, I think yeah. You know, if you're Denver, you want to limit possessions. You got to. It's it's the same damn plan for every team in the league. The place the Chiefs, you're going to give up a ton of yards. But you've got to win in the red zone on both sides of the ball. You've got to try to win the turnover battle, right? I mean, that's and you got to limit big plays. I mean, if you're playing the Chiefs, you got to do those three things. You don't do those three things, you have no shot. Zero. You may do all three of those things and still lose, but you you have to do those things. So if you're Fangio, you don't care if the Chiefs move the ball. You don't care. They're going to do it anyway. You care that you try to stop them inside the 20-yard line and get threes instead of sevens. You sell out on a handful of plays and try to get a, a pick, try to you know rip a ball out, try to get a fumble recovery. And then, look, on, on offense, if you're Denver, you're, you're in theory, and this is, this is very hard to do, you try to have long, sustained drives. Now, <laughs> that's, it's easier said than done. I mean, you can sit there and say, well, we're going to try to run the ball twice and convert third and six. Okay, great. If you don't convert third and six, you, you just went three and out and you're punting and it's cheese the ball to 40. So – I think that's the plan, though, for sure. Denver's going to want to keep it low, you know, on the scoreboard. They're going to try to keep it in, in a way where, you know, the Chiefs aren't getting the 30 because Denver has no ability to get the 30 points. Zero. If, if Kansas City gets 30 points, they're going to win this game. Like, you, you go look at the statistics in this thing, okay? Tim Patrick's leading them right now. He's played five games. He's played all their games. 
He has 310 yards. It's pretty solid. It's about on pace for 1,000 yards. Jerry Judy, five games played, 266 yards receiving. That puts him about you know 800 yards or so. Okay? Um, they, they have had moderate success throwing the ball. They haven't been great. Fant has 219 yards. Nobody else even has 80. Okay? So it, they, they don't throw to the backs. They, they don't have a third receiver who scares you. Defensively speaking, you know, they, they've had a decent pass rush. They've had 14 sacks on the year. I mean, Chubb's leading the team with three and a half. Shelby Harris, by the way, who nobody ever talks about, is one of the best interior linemen in the NFL. He's got two and a half sacks. He plays even better than that, in my opinion. He's been terrific. But, yeah, I mean, look, if, if you're Denver, you've got to muddy the game up and hope to keep it really close. And if, and if you can't keep it in the 20s, you're going to get blown out. Definitely the, the path I think they need to take to, to keep up with the Chiefs because, and we'll talk about their offense in just a minute. I just don't think they have the firepower to get, I know they don't have the firepower to get in a shootout no chance. with the Kansas City. No chance. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll quickly go over the Broncos offensive attack. We'll talk about the Chiefs uh, and we've got some more great segments coming for you as well. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. We'll be right back. Five, four, Three. Okay, and we are back at the Arrowhead Attic Podcast previewing Chiefs Broncos. Let's talk about the Broncos offense a little more, Verderam. We mentioned the running backs earlier. Melvin Gordon, still very productive, playing pretty well for the Broncos this year. He's averaging 4.3 yards per carry. Now he's going to join Philip Lindsay in the backfield, 4.2 yards per carry. If you think the Broncos are going to try to muck things up, slow down the game, run the ball a lot. You think we see a heavy dose of these two? Yeah. I, I mean, I think in theory, if you're Denver, the idea would be, in my opinion anyway, to run the ball, get ahead of the sticks, play action, and take some big shots deep down the field. That that has to be the way you win. I mean, the Raiders beat the Chiefs because they took a bunch of big shots down the field and they hit them. They didn't win that game for any other reason. They, everybody talks about how bad the Chiefs' offense was in that game. They scored 32 points. The Chiefs lost the games. They blew a bunch of coverages, and Carter was credit hit them. That's how the Raiders beat the Chiefs, and that's exactly how Denver's going to have to do it. Now, I would argue Denver is not in the position to do it. Now, the Raiders, say whatever you want about them. Ruggs is an elite deep threat. Waller's a very good tight end. Carr is at least an NFL quarter. I don't know that Drew Locke's an NFL starting caliber quarterback, and I don't know that anybody on that team is the deep threat that Henry Ruggs is. In fact, I know they aren't. So that is where Denver's going to have to really carefully set those plays up, get the Chiefs in the right coverage, and hit them deep. Because I have no reason to believe Drew Locke's driving them down on a bunch of 12-play drives. Zero. Like, they're going to have to hit some big shots. And if I'm Steve Spagnuolo to counter that, I'm basically saying, look, we're going we're gonna to load up to stop the run early on downs, first down, second and you know, medium, second and, and seven and eight type plays. And then on, on third and, and long, you do one of two things. You either play too deep or you just blitz the hell out of them. You come after them, force them to throw the ball quick and, and wrap up. So I think the Chiefs matched up really well in this game. The, the only word of caution, I thought the Chiefs matched up really, really well against the Raiders too because I didn't expect them to blow 18 coverages. And we know what happened. But I think the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs are tailor-made to play Denver in a lot of ways. Well, hopefully the Chiefs learned their lesson there against the Raiders. They certainly didn't give up any huge plays against the, the Bills, save for a couple of Josh Allen runs. So uh, what I do like about Spagnolo over Bob Sutton is Bob Sutton sometimes just seemed to 
not correct things. And the Chiefs, when they make mistakes on defense, they seem to get it taken care of pretty quickly. Uh, some of that comes from their veteran leadership in the back end as well. But that was really good to see. Uh, as far as the receivers, we, you mentioned that. Tim Patrick's had a nice, a nice season for them. Jerry Judy, I actually think Jerry Judy's going to turn out to be a better NFL receiver than Ruggs over in Oakland. I think Ruggs, obviously, like you said, an elite deep threat. But I think Jerry Judy's he's suffered from some obviously inconsistent quarterback play this year. But I think as he gets more and more used to the NFL, he's going to be just eating up a lot of first downs for this team. I think that was a really good pick for Denver. Who do you worry about more out of those two receivers? Probably Judy because he's such a good route runner. Um, I, I think I think Judy is going to have a high higher ceiling, and I think he's going to be a really really good player. Um, I think the biggest question in Denver is the quarterback. I, I just everybody went crazy in the offseason because Drew Locke went four and one. Go look at the numbers in those games. Drew Locke was not good. He was good against Houston. The other four games, he was not good. He played in Kansas City last year in the snow, which by the way I know we'll touch on later. Uh, prepare for snow on Sunday. Um, I just, with Drew Locke, I just wonder if there's any there, there. When you watch him, it's just, you know, a couple of good passes, a couple of sparks, you go, okay. And then a couple of passes, go, oh my God, what the hell is he doing? Like, I, I, I think Judy, if, if Locke ends up being the guy or they find their guy early on in his career, could have a very, very productive career in Denver. Yeah, Locke threw for under 200 yards last week against the Patriots, which it was the Patriots. Mahomes didn't exactly light those guys up either with Belichick being a great defensive mind. But still, you, you the, the Broncos are young. The receivers are young. They've got a lot of young players. They're still developing. So they may have these games where they kind of show out a little bit, but they're also probably going to have games where they just – they don't look like they know what the heck they're doing. Although I will say, did you see that touchdown catch that Judy had? It was his first touchdown catch. I think it was against the Jets where it was a little bit of a, a, a weak pass and the Jets cornerback went up to try to intercept it and Judy yeah. caught it over him and then bat, backed into the end zone while taunting him. Is that maybe yeah. like one of the coolest first touchdown catches you've ever seen? It was great. I, I talked to him at the, at the combine during the media session with him and the guy is, the guy is hilarious. He's a very cool dude. Um, he had a during the during the media session. I, I actually shot a video that's tweeted out and it blew up. He he had a star David on, and I forget who it was. Some reporter asked him about it. He's like, "Oh, you, you know, your necklace you're really you know religious or something to that effect." And he was like, "Oh, I'm not Jewish. I just you know Judy, you know Jew, like just my nickname." And it just like everybody oh, just busted out laughing. It was just like, <laughs> like what? And he did, he was like, yeah, it's just my <laughs> nicknames, you know. It's when I got this neck, and it it was just it was such like a good natured. Like he just was like kind of smiling as he said it, and he, you know. And every everybody in the room just cracked up. Like like who who thinks to do that? Like who would go out and be yeah right. yeah that's all? But he was just a very likable young guy. Funny, nice, personable. So yeah, easy to root for. I always hate to hear guys on the on the Broncos are have winning personalities. Like I, every time I see an interview with Von Miller, I quite enjoy Von Miller, and I just get really annoyed. Same thing with Philip Rivers. I hate, can't stand the guy on the field, but if you see an interview with him in the locker room, he's he's a super likable guy. If he was if he was your quarterback, obviously you wouldn't want him throwing all those interceptions. But uh, yeah, I never never liked a never liked a, to like 
the guys on the AFC West rivals, but you know, that's the way it is. It's better like Bill Romanowski's involved. Like Bill, <laughs> Bill Romanowski's own family doesn't like him. Right. So like that, that, that makes it easier when it's, but you're right. Yeah. You get a, you get a guy like you're like, I always really loved watching Charles Woodson. So, you know, when he was on the Packers, it was great. You know, who cares? It's like, man, like that kind of a player, but not for the team that he plays for. It puts you in a tough spot. Do you, when you see interviews with Philip Rivers, do you like Philip Rivers? I like him personally. Philip Rivers though, is so annoying when he plays that I have no problem disliking him during the game. Like he's just always whining to the officials or screaming and and, and pouting. And it's easy for me to, to lather up a, a, a good, clean, uh, fun hatred of Philip Rivers during the game. Very easy to hate during the game. Though I do have to say, when he's not playing the Chiefs, he's such a competitive guy and he's got so much fire. I was watching him sometime this season, I forget, and he's – He's out there. It's uh, you know the the play clock's running out. They're gonna punt, and Rivers is trying to get the the opposition to jump off sides. And he's standing there, and he's doing all this, you know, hut 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 hut. And the the uh, the defenders are saying saying shit to him, and you can see Rivers. They, they zoom in on his face, and he's just talking trash right back to him in between his huts, talking trash to the to the linebackers on the other team. And then he he starts you know kind of dancing around and starts running like he's going to go in motion and stuff. And I, I, I just couldn't help but crack up at the guy. Uh, I've always admired his trash talk game. That, that's one thing that even when he's playing the Chiefs, he's just mouth is always running um, and just kind of a, a appreciate it. But I, but I also got a lot of gratification when, you know, the Chiefs crowd would get him to, 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 to get a false start and then he would get pissed off and like kick the ball and yell at his center and all those types of things. So, yeah, definitely a, an interesting guy, Philip Rivers. Glad he's out of the division, though. Although I, I guess some of the Chiefs defenders don't because they miss those interceptions. Yeah, seriously, a lot of a lot of picks that have that have gone by the wayside. Indeed. Okay, let's let's talk about the Chiefs' attack. So we haven't talked about Le'Veon Bell so far uh, in this podcast. Le'Veon Bell going to have his first game, presumably, with the Chiefs here. What do you expect out of the running game, and, and in particular, Le'Veon Bell on Sunday? I, I think Bell will be worked in slowly. I think eventually a third of the snap position. Um, that's kind of my understanding of how they, they may want to go about it. Um, I think you'll see him in, in third down and short yardage, and then they'll expand that package as time goes on. Uh, but I think that's probably the initial way you're going to see the Chiefs work him in. I uh, mean, you know, a little bit in the screen game as well. He's so patient. He he fits the screen game exceedingly well. Yeah, I, they're going to run the ball if Denver plays the same way Buffalo and, and Vegas and New England play. I mean, it, everything's dictated based off of the look you're getting. And if Denver's going to drop seven all game long, then yeah, I think the Chiefs will run, they'll run effectively. If If Denver comes up and starts cheating linebackers down, then I expect the Chiefs to go to the play-action game, a little more of an option game, you know, let it, let it rip. And Mahomes talked about the game uh, on Monday afternoon af- afterwards after they had won and said, I had a lot of plays where I had the option to run or pass. We just kept running the ball because we kept looking at the front and we knew we could rip off big yardage. So I think you'll probably see a little bit more of a balanced game this time around, I, just because I don't think Denver's going to allow the Chiefs to run for 250 yards. But I think Bell's going to get some action. I think Edwards-Alaire is going to get plenty of action. 
Uh, but I do think Mahomes will be throwing the ball, you know, thirty plus times, and what Buffalo he threw only twenty six times. Do you think we'll start seeing as the Chiefs get more used to this kind of the style of of defending them? If it becomes more consistent, do you think we'll start seeing some more zone beaters from Reed, some more underneath passes and and kind of crossing routes and things like that to keep the passing game going, but but keep the defense, you know, maybe start forcing them to creep up a little bit? I think at some point, yeah, the Chiefs are going to take some more shots. And I think that'll probably be after the bye week. The Chiefs are excellent with self-scouting, and, and Reed has an incredible history after the bye of, of ripping off a bunch of wins. So, yeah, look, if teams, if teams are going to consistently do this, the Chiefs are going to have to figure out ways to still get some chunk yardage. And the reason for that is when you are playing games like this, you know, a normal game, you get about 12 possessions. You play games like this, you're going to get eight, nine. It takes away an opportunity to score. It takes away two or three opportunities to score. So I do think you're going to see the Chiefs try and figure things out. But I also think, look, a couple of weeks of them running the ball the way they've run the ball uh, or the way they ran against Buffalo, teams are going to come out of that to some extent. You just can't. I know teams would rather give up rushing yards than Mahomes just go crazy. But – they're impatient too. I mean, at some point, the Chiefs are just ripping off run after run after run. They're going to come up. And when they do, the Chiefs will hit them for huge shots. And we're probably going to keep seeing big games from Travis Kelsey as long as this goes on because he's going to be finding room huge. and holes yeah. in the zones. But you also got to think that with a weapon like Tyreek Hill, having a game like he had last week being taken away over the top, that Reed's going to start wanting to work in some ways to get the ball in his hands, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think you might see some quick screens. You might see some slants. You might see, uh, you know, those, those little pitch passes when they run the jet motion that are technically not runs, but passes when, when it's popped forward. So, um, yeah, I, like, they have to get the ball to Tyreek Hill, and they will. All this stuff is cyclical. Look, last year, this, this stuff happened around the same time. Now, the Chiefs had a couple injuries. out, Watkins was out. But teams did the same thing. And everybody starts, oh, this is how they're going to play. This is how they're going to play. And then, you know, the Chiefs evolved, and they got used to it, and they, they play in a different way. Kansas City has a great coaching staff. They're not going to get bogged down by this. At some point and, – and we saw it against Buffalo. Andy finally just said, fine, you want to do that? Fine, here it comes. And they ran for 245 yards. Right now, like people seem to be split on Edwards and Lair and how he's played. He's leading the league in yardage from scrimmage, leading the NFL. He's second in rushing behind Derrick Henry. So if teams are going to do this, and now you add Le'Veon Bell into the mix, the Chiefs are just going to kill him underneath and with the run game. And so eventually it's, it's inevitable. Some teams are going to finally say, we can't let him do that. we got to make him beat us throwing the ball, and then they will. They'll throw for 400 yards. All right, let's, we're going to get to our predictions in just a second, but I want to go in, into another segment that we like to do here, which is our AFC West contenders and pretenders segment. This week, I wanted to talk about two teams in particular because I find both these teams sort of fascinating. We got the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts. Um, the thing about the Colts, now I think this, a lot of people are going to say this is an easy one, Patrick, that the, the Titans are contenders. They're 5-0. They got Derrick Henry. Tannehill's playing out of his mind. The Colts aren't contenders. Philip Rivers throws too many interceptions. They got a rookie running back, right? They are not a lot of offensive weapons. And that very well may be. But I will note that the Colts have outscored their opponents by 42 points this year, which is really impressive. And that defense is, is no joke. We're pretty well into the season now 
and they've been playing really well. They did lose to the Browns. The Browns have a heck of a running game and, and the Colts struggle on offense. But I'll, I'll put it to you, Verderam. Titans, contenders, or pretenders? Titans, I think, are contenders. I don't think they're on the level of Kansas City or Pittsburgh, but they're contenders. They can play. And if you have a game where Derrick Henry's really rolling downfield, and let's face it, that happens a lot, you're, you have problems with them. The Titans, the only thing that, that worries me about – well, two things. Their defense is in full score. Teams just rack up a ton of points. Uh, bad teams have racked up a ton of points. The other concern I have is if you have a game, and we saw this in the AFC title game last year, where you stop Derrick Henry and their play-action passing isn't as effective, they're not good throwing the ball. And I know Tannehill's been very good this year, and it's because Henry's been great running it, and they can play action off that. Okay, I do. I like the Titans. I think their coaching staff's really good. Arthur Smith is a guy who's their offensive coordinator who I think is going to be a head coach rather soon in the league. Uh, and Vrabel's a, a rising star. But uh, right now, contender, and I think in the conversation for the third-best team, and if, yeah, if they beat Pittsburgh this weekend, then they take another step up in my, my estimation. Um, but, yeah, they're a contender. You've got to give them that right now. Okay, what about the Colts? How do you feel about them? They're a complete fraud. I, I, will, I will fight to the death on this. That team is not good. Um, so they're rushing for 3.6 yards of carry. Hilton's leading the team with 242 yards receiving. 242, which, by the way, Sammy Watkins is 222. Okay? And everybody who killed McCall Hardman – Who's, who's their third receiver, fourth receiver at times with Robinson, even usurped him, has 194. So essentially, essentially, Hilton's barely better than the Chiefs' fourth receiver on the team. Um, I, don't, I don't buy the Colts at all. Rivers just is not good. And they've played a ridiculously soft schedule. I mean, you go through and look at the Colts and who they've played this year. I mean, Jacksonville, they lose to them. The Vikings, they win. The Jets, they win. The Bears, they win. The Browns, they lose. The Bengals are down 21 nothing before they win. Here's what we're going to find out soon. Okay, they're on a bye this week, then they're at Detroit. Detroit's another patsy of a team. They're following four weeks. Baltimore, Tennessee, Green Bay, Tennessee. They come out of that looking good? Call me. I do not expect them to come out of that looking very good. Do you think they make the playoffs? Ah. Uh, Seven teams now get in. I think they're fighting for a wild card spot. Yeah, I think they're fighting for a wild card spot. I, I, I don't though. I think they're like eight and eight. I, I think I think the loss to Cleveland's going to haunt them. <sighs> it's between them and the Raiders and the Pats and the Dolphins. To be fair, I think those teams. So I'll say no, but I do think they got a shot at being like a seven. Yeah, I think they could end up fighting with the Browns. If I had to bet on one of those teams, I'm going to bet on the Patriots because Belichick will find a way to get Cam Newton going again. So, yeah, it's going to be tough, but they, they've got some nice players over there, I just think. I don't blame them for going after Rivers as a stopgap, but they they got to get themselves a quarterback. Okay, let's move on to our AFC West standings update. This is a quick one. Just want to keep you guys in the know. Sure, you know this already, but the Chiefs are five and one. They're leading the division now. The Raiders were off last week. They're in second place at three and two, but it's a, it's it's a little bit closer, obviously, with the Raiders having a half game uh, with the victory over the Chiefs. So the Chiefs don't want to slip up. They should be fine with the Raiders not being as good as the Chiefs. Things will, should start to loosen up as the season goes on. But for now, the Chiefs need to just go ahead and keep on winning. 
And they can really just put a stake in the heart of the Broncos who come in at third place and two at two and three, as far as hopes for the division title go bearing any kind of crazy injury. And then you got the chargers who I actually think are one of the better teams in the division, especially the way Justin Herbert's playing. I could see them making a late run in the division and end up finishing second or, or third. What do you think about the chargers third round? I think the Chargers have a shot to make the playoffs. And I know that sounds bonkers. Their schedule gets so much easier. They've already played the Chiefs once, the Saints, they played the Bucks, And they had huge they had double digit leagues in all those games. But the Chargers are talented. The Chargers are a, a very talented team. I think they're more talented than either one of the other two teams in the division outside of Kansas City. Um, and their schedule gets easy. I don't have it in front of me right now, but I remember I looked at it a couple of days ago and said, man, they're, they're going to win some games here. I mean, they've got Denver twice. They've got the Raiders twice. So they have opportunities to gain there. They, they have the Chiefs, but it's week 17. So the Chiefs may not even need the game. Chiefs might be playing for nothing. They might be resting a bunch of guys. So that actually is not the worst-case scenario for the Chargers. They played Jacksonville this weekend. They still have the Falcons. I – I think the Chargers, you could be looking at them and go, wow, they're 6-6. Six and six. They got back into this thing. Like, maybe they don't. Maybe they prove to be a team that just can't close, and that's just the way it is. And, and listen, that's been the story of that franchise for a while now. But I like Herbert a lot, and they're getting a little healthier. So I'm not completely out on them. I actually think they could make some moves. As far as the number one seed in the AFC goes, the Chiefs are well-positioned here, right? They're 5-1. and one. They do have that AFC loss to the Raiders. But the the – the, the stupid titans of the Steelers are, are also undefeated. Now, uh, and, and the Ravens, obviously, are also only a one-loss team. You hope that the Steelers and the Ravens beat each other up a little bit and, and cause some problems. Maybe the Browns can steal some games from, from those two teams. How do you feel about the Chiefs' chances to, to snag that number one seed? As we get deeper into the season, if these guys keep winning, it, it's going to be tight to the end, right? I, I think they're chances improve dramatically by beating Buffalo because that really ends, in my opinion, the hard part of Kansas City's schedule, which is the Bills, the Ravens, at the Chargers. I know they're one of four, but like I said, I think that that's a real team. Um, and and the Pats, who I know, look, I get it without Newton. They're, they're helpless offensively, but it's still Belichick. And you get that game out of the way. You have tiebreakers now against Buffalo and Baltimore and New England, although they will need it. Um, I look at this conference, and the Chiefs have played a lot of their hardest games already. The only other games, really, that you look at and say are hard games are at Tampa and at New Orleans, and I'm not even sure how hard the New Orleans game is going to be. Um, the Chiefs will be major favorites in every other game. And I, I don't – I by the way, anyone knows that's saying, well, they got to play the Raiders again. They're going to kill the Raiders in the rematch of this game. I, I, I would be willing to bet my mortgage the Chiefs off a of bye week are going to smoke the Raiders. So I think ultimately – Kansas City's in a great spot because I think they're probably going to end up winning about 13 games. Baltimore would have to only lose one more game the rest of the year. And they've got a hard schedule coming up. But Baltimore's next five games include Pittsburgh twice, Indianapolis, New England, um, and Tennessee. Tennessee's got Baltimore. They got Pittsburgh. They got the Colts twice. They've got Green Bay. Uh, you know, they've got Chicago. They're going to lose some games in that stretch. You got you know Pittsburgh obviously Baltimore twice. They've got Tennessee on the road this weekend. They have Buffalo on the road later in the year. These teams are going to lose some games. They're at Cleveland, so those teams all have played very easy schedules to this point, and now they have all their hard games coming up. The inverse for the Chiefs. I think Kansas City is is the front runner to be the one seed. I think they're in very very good position here as they go into these final ten games. 
hopefully that slip up against the Raiders knocks some sense into them and they stay focused because the one seed is a big, big deal this year, much bigger than it has ever been before. And if the Chiefs can get that, it's going to make a, a huge, huge difference, especially because, and let's just, this is, this is unfortunate, but it's the, it's the reality of the world that we're living in right now. The Chiefs are allowed to have fans in the stadium right now. Who knows what things will be like. Hopefully, hopefully they'll be able to pack the stadium come playoff time. We probably won't be to that point yet. But if you're talking about a team like Baltimore right now who's not allowed to have fans in their stadium, it makes a big difference if you got to go to Arrowhead for a playoff atmosphere. Those, uh, those I don't know how many they're letting in, 20,000 fans or whatever, they're going to get a few drinks of them. They're going to be loud, and they're going to be yelling stuff. So I want those games at Arrowhead, and I know the Chiefs do as well. I think the Chiefs are the biggest thing. You just want the week off. You want the week off. Everybody else got – and look, the AFC, not a lot of weak sisters in there. Okay, like you get to the playoffs, it's barring be Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Tennessee, Baltimore. Take your pick, right? But out of those five teams, four of them got to play week, you know, that wild card weekend. Four of them. You want those teams playing, in some cases, each other. You know, New England, someone, whoever. Like you, want those teams playing. Nobody's rooting for injury. Guys get hurt. If you're off, you're probably not going to have any injuries, okay, unless you have a freak thing happen in practice. Actually, the Chiefs did last year with Chris Jones. But you're probably not going to have injuries. You're all out and two weeks to get everything ready. So that is where, to me, that's where the value is. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh and – look, Pittsburgh and Baltimore have to play that weekend, okay, Buffalo and Tennessee might have to play it, you know, or would be playing that weekend. There's whoever the four seed is, probably Buffalo or Tennessee is going to have to play the loser of the Pittsburgh Baltimore race in the north. So one of them's gone, right? Like those are huge advantages if you're Kansas City. So yeah, look, these games right now, the Chiefs are going to win the division. This is all about getting the number one seed. Everything, every single thing they should be focused on the rest of the year should be about getting to that top seed. And it doesn't hurt to have a guy like Derrick Henry have an extra week of carries, right? He got a lot of carries last year. He's going to get a lot of carries this year. The dude's a game wrecker, uh, can single-handedly run his team to victory. So all of those things matter. And and you're right, the matchups where these teams may have to face each other and knock off a really good team, Chiefs want that number one seat. So hopefully the the coaching staff, I know they are, are hammering that into them every week. Every game matters. Don't let your guard down. Okay, we're going to take one more quick break, and then we're going to hit you with our predictions for Sunday's Chiefs-Broncos clash. We'll be right back. This is the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. Okay, and we are back. Let's get to our predictions for this game and get the hell out of here. Chiefs at Broncos. It's going to be about 25 degrees Uh, a high of 25 degrees, according to the weather reports right now in Denver. Weird. It's going to be about 65 on Saturday and a big swing uh, to a 25-degree high. Now, the game is an afternoon kickoff, so it should be the warmer part of the day, at least when they start playing, and then the sun will start going down um, as the game goes on. Calling for a little bit of snow. I didn't see an accumulation report, but it said about a 60% chance of snow. Mahomes talked about this week, said he loves playing in the snow. Bertram, do you think the weather affects the game, and what is your final score prediction? I think the weather does affect the game. I think it helps Kansas City. First of all, Mahomes has been 
effusive in the idea that he loves to play in snow because he can grip the ball better. So that that's not great if you're Denver. Secondly, you know, it's counterintuitive because you think like, oh man, if it's slick, it's going to slow everybody down. It helps the offense. Every player in the league will tell you that it, as an offensive player, you know where you're going. You know when you've got to break down and make a cut. You know what direction you're going to break. The defender doesn't. I think it absolutely helps Kansas City. It's going to be harder for Denver to guard the Chiefs. And by the way, he seems played in a snow game last year. Chiefs beat him 23-3 to and had a turnover at the one-yard line. Otherwise, it would have been 30-3. to So, yes, I think, it, I think it absolutely benefits Kansas City. The, the cold, I don't think, benefits either team. I don't think that matters. Um, you know, both these teams have played in cold a bunch. So I, I don't think that's a huge deal. But, yeah, if it's snowing, all the better for the Chiefs. Let it snow. And I, I'll take the Chiefs to win. I think it's 30-17. to 17. Look, Denver's not a bad team, but Denver has a lot of deficiencies. And you know, I do this column every week on fan-sided, the NFL in a thousand words, and I do it every week. And I, I really dive deep into statistics. I basically spend half of my, my Tuesday doing it. And Denver's just over and over and over and over. 25th in the league, 23rd in the league, 28th in the league, yeah, offensively and defensively in certain deep-dive statistics. I think Denver's better than those stats show because they've been missing Locke and some of these other guys. But the Chiefs have beaten them nine times in a row. They've drubbed them in most of those games. I, I just think it's a bad matchup for Denver. The, the linebackers can't cover. I don't know that their corners are up to snuff to stop the Chiefs. And defensively, Spagnolo has made the life of young quarterbacks miserable since he's been on Kansas City. I don't expect that to change this week. Before I get to my prediction, do you think the extra week, the whole, you know, Le'Veon Bell not being able to, to join the team because of COVID, but obviously they were able probably to send him the playbook, some packages they might want to run for him. How much do you think that actually impacts him having maybe a week to study the playbook, to watch the team on TV, and then obviously he gets in there for a few days of practice. Do you think we see maybe a little bit more of, of Bell than we might have if, if he joined the team and, and just sort of jumped in there on only a few days' notice? Um, yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, you know. Um, you know, he'll get a full week of practice with the guys now. I mean, he was out there on Wednesday. He'll be out there again. So I could, I could see that. Um, but I, I do think they're still going to work him in slowly. Now, I will say this. You know anything about the NFL and a locker room and how these things work? You better believe he's getting goal line touches against the Jets. That's coming. Like they're going to be feeding him the ball day and night inside the five yard line against Jets. Who, by the way, as an aside, I tweeted this out yesterday. Early lines are out for the Jets game. The Chiefs are a twenty-one and a half point favorite. That's a college spread. It's the biggest line in the NFL since 2012. It is the sixth time since 1978 a team is favored by 20 points or more. Incredible. 21 and a half. That's, that should be a nice relaxing day for Chiefs fans. For this one, though, I've got the Chiefs 27, Broncos 17. I wanted to give the Chiefs over 30 points, but with the weather and, and the way I expect the Broncos to play the Chiefs, I think they might slow things down a little bit. I think it could be a little bit close sort of into the fourth quarter. Maybe Chiefs fans are a little bit nervous, but I think the Chiefs get a key turnover in the fourth quarter, tack on another field goal, and then run out the clock. So Chiefs 27, Broncos 17. Vertoram, you've got a Chiefs 30, Broncos 17. Any yep. parting thoughts before we get the heck out of here? No. I, I think the Chiefs are in good position. 
I think the Raiders' loss will help them here. They probably will not overlook a division opponent again. And look, there's a big game. They're all big games now for the Chiefs. They're five and one. They solidified themselves right where they need to be in terms of seeding and the race or anything else. This is a huge opportunity. You win this game, you get to six and one. Denver falls to two and four. You're you're two and a half up on them. Excuse me, you're three and a half up on them with the breaker, and you play them again later in the year on Sunday Night Football at Arrowhead. Um, the Chargers probably wins. You see three and a half up on them, and then the Raiders play on Sunday Night Football at home against Tampa. The Chiefs could be two and a half up, three and a half up, three and a half up with nine games left. And Pittsburgh and Tennessee play each other. So somebody's losing. You gain a game on them. You gain a half game on Baltimore and Indianapolis. We're both idle. This is a big opportunity for the Chiefs. And then you play the Jets next week, which is, I mean, that team is basically the football equivalent of a free parking space. So this is a big opportunity for Kansas City to get going and get right and really start rolling here as we get into some colder weather. Going to be very exciting. Always love to go and watch a game at Mile High. Uh, please make sure you guys send us your questions. You can hit us up on Twitter. We'll be on there tweeting during the game. He's at, at Matt Verderam. I'm at, at R. Patrick Allen. If you send us questions during the game on Sunday, we'll try to answer as many of those as we can. We'll be recording this podcast, hopefully with a better internet connection, um, on Sunday night. So you'll be able to grab it late Sunday night or first thing Monday morning. And if you like what you heard, you can subscribe to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and everywhere you get your podcasts. We're hosted on Omni, so you can find us on Omni FM. And please make sure you follow Arrowhead Addict expert Matt Connor. He joined us a couple weeks ago. Go back and listen to that episode. It was a lot of fun. He's at, at Matt Connor AA. And of course, you can always follow at Arrowhead Addict. Once again, For the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, my name is Patrick Allen. He's Matt Verderam. We will see you after the Chiefs victory on Sunday. And as always, go Chiefs! Who, who, of the AFC West, who do you, like, which team do you hate the most? Denver. It's Denver. Is it because of like we're close in age? Is it because growing up like LA, they lost yeah. to Denver all the time? I actively wanted him to get hit by a car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.